Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. With all due respect to Magic Johnson, he is one of the greatest point guards of all time. He is not a salary cap expert. What he was discussing this week was just incorrect. If the Lakers had traded for DeMar DeRozan, they would not have been able to keep Alex Caruso. They would not have been able to go get Buddy Heald. When you receive a player in a sign-and-trade, you trigger a hard salary cap. It's one of the things that they put in the CBA to do competitive balance. They didn't want teams like Los Angeles be able to get guys inside and trade and keep spending money. You know, they may they may not have been able to even keep Taylor Horton Tucker and do DeMar DeRozan. So I just want that to be clear. Okay, so who do we got there? Brian Windhorst. Hurst. Brian Windhorst. Horst. Okay. Something like that. Horst, I'm sorry. Um, ESPN or just a local conglomerate here? The ESPN. Okay. And obviously when, you know, it seems to be the, the, the hot topic of the day, and with all due apologies to Brian Middleton, you know, friend of the show. Um, Action Sports Jack's overtime will be a little early today, and I'm sure he'll be on there sulking in terms of the Los Angeles Lakers are not going to the playoffs uh, this year. I think it is all but confirmed now. And, you know, we touched on it yesterday a little bit because we kind of saw the, the end happening with LeBron James. You know, it, I find it very interesting where, and I guess I kind of fell in this category, Casey, a little bit. When we talked about the Lakers, you know, in, in preseason, and they get Russell Westbrook, they get Kamal Anthony, I mean, I was a believer like anybody else where I thought, okay, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kamal Anthony, like, I don't want to call it a super team per se, but, like, what we've seen this story play out before, and it's LeBron James, right? Like, who could have fathomed LeBron James not going to the playoffs? Injuries happen, of course. Um, people get traded, of course, and it, it just backfired for Los Angeles Lakers, and now they're left picking up the pieces. I mean, going forward, and I know we touched on it yesterday a little bit, but I kind of want to go back there. I mean, are we talking about a complete and utter rehaul? Do you still try to go after those big-name free agents this up-and-coming season and try to build a super team, or do you put your faith in LeBron James and say, okay, let's go after maybe some youth guys, let's go after some more depth for our bench, and let LeBron James lead the show. I guess my question is, can LeBron James, is he still capable, and I get it, the NBA scoring champion, but is he, is he still capable of leading the show with a bunch of maybe younger fellas? Uh, I mean, if you got younger fellas that are actually good at basketball, um, <laughs> the, the, the guys they have right now not good at it. And to your point, I think me and you were on together when the Russell Westbrook news hit, because I remember us talking about it. We were, yeah, And yeah. we definitely did not think they were going to be the worst basketball team to ever play on the at any point in time in basketball and that's pretty much what they are they're horrible and nobody saw that one coming to your point but to what you were what we were just talking about with lebron uh yeah i think you get the right talent around him like he's still gonna be incredible ideally i'm sure he'd not have to score 60 points a night would be great at his age i'm sure he would love that but it's all about who you get around him i guess at this point i bet lebron would settle for like one and a half dudes that aren't terrible or 80 years old well, and this is kind of, you know, the, this is really the, the beauty, I believe, of the NBA, NBA more than maybe any other sport. I mean, obviously hockey is kind of the outlier here, too, um, and maybe baseball a little bit. But, like, when we talk about, like, the sport of football, right, we sit here right now during the offseason, and we could probably say, you know what, the Los Angeles Rams might be better than last year. 
with just who they've added. Cam Akers coming back. Yeah, you, you lost Robert Woods. You lost Odell Beckham Jr. But then you get one of the best linebackers, I believe, still in the game. Um, you upgrade a few spots, and it looks like, okay, the Rams are ready to make another run. And one could call them a super team, right? Like, you, you, you got your Kevin Durant uh, and Matthew Stafford. You know, uh, you, you got maybe like your Ray Allen from the Heat uh, with Bobby Wagner. So, like, you have all the pieces to be successful again. But when we talk about the NBA, it seems to me more recently rather than, than you know, what I have you know, grew up on is that these super teams don't necessarily have all the success all the time. And I think that's pretty cool. And I think, like, obviously it, it, it kind of echoes back to Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors. Kind of the underdogs all year. Yeah, they, they had a solid nucleus of players, still pretty young, but they kind of grew into their own. But it wasn't like we're talking about the Toronto Raptors as a super team, per se, because, well, they kind of built through the draft. They brought Kawhi Leonard in, and the rest is history. You win a championship, Drake's going crazy uh, on, on the sidelines. You know, you think back to, like, the Miami Heat. Yeah, the Miami Heat had some success, but I also remember LeBron James saying, we're not going to win one, two, three, four, five, whatever it was, championships. You won some championships, but I remember uh, Dirk Nowitzki led Dallas Mavericks beating you as well. And once again, they were not even close to being a super team. And most recently, I think on a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, who have built through the draft, yeah, they, they've acquired free agents like Brooke Lopez, but like not household names per se. And I would say their second best player in Chris Middleton still isn't necessarily a star in terms of being you know, a, a big name in the NBA. He's an all-star, but if I go on the street right now and ask a casual NBA fan, do you know who Chris Middleton is? I bet half of those fans won't even know who he plays for. Right. So when we talk about how teams are constructed, I find it very refreshing where you can say, you know what? You don't need the super team. You don't need to bring all these high-priced free agents together to try to win an NBA title. If you build through the draft, if you take care of your guys, if you re-sign your guys, there's an opportunity there as well. Yeah, that's going to be the Orlando Magic in a couple of years, just waiting <laughs> with the boys. Suggs and the boys are going to be hot. But... Uh, well, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe like when my son's in college, the magic can come around. Hey, the boy's going to be, you know what I'm saying? Jalen Suggs, by about that time, he's going to be hot. Franz Wagner. But, yeah, no, I hear you, man. I hear you, man. But isn't that, I guess, kind of the, the beauty uh, of basketball, right, where you have a team like the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, yeah, the Grizzlies have kind of always been on the outside looking in or, you know, on the fringe of going to the playoffs. They get one guy in John Morant, and all of a sudden the whole team turns around, and then, yeah, they get some free agents as well. But, like, by no means are the Memphis Grizzlies a super team. But guess what? The Memphis Grizzlies are one of the best basketball teams in the NBA, and you can't deny it even when John Morant's not playing. So to me, I think it's, it's an opportune time to have a team in the NBA. Because like you said, Casey, whether maybe you're a Magic fan, um, you know, maybe you're a Portland Trailblazers fan, like all it takes is a, is a few good drafts, maybe a few little unheralded free agent signings here or there, and then all of a sudden your team might be in contention to go to make a playoff run, just like the Memphis Grizzlies. So uh, I think more than any other sport, because, you know, when we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, we, we, we hang by a thread every single year in the draft. Hopefully this guy puts us over. Hopefully this guy puts us over. Now we got Trevor Lawrence. He's like the Luke Skywalker, right? Like he's giving us all the hope right now, and hopefully that pans out. But there's still a big, you know, th th there's still a long ways to go. I feel like in NBA all it takes is one season to turn everything around, and you're good to go. Yeah, I, I actually was just going to make that exact comparison of the Jags and Memphis. So Memphis, you only got two rounds to do it, and it appears all the dudes that are contributing right now are guys that you drafted, right, including John yeah. Morant. But your bench is guys you drafted because obviously if they're on your bench, they're not guys you paid big money for. So to that point, it's very comparable of what we need in Jacksonville. Just draft some dudes that can play their roles and do well, 
and then you're in a good spot like the Memphis Grizzlies. Is it too much to ask for the Jags to become the Memphis Grizzlies? I feel like I'm really not asking too much. No, you're not asking too much at all, you know? I mean, here's the thing. We had Mike Tannenbaum trying to break down the Jacksonville Jaguars and compare them to the Golden State Warriors. You know how I felt about it? If I had it my way, if I was running the show, Mike Tannenbaum would have been banned and never allowed back on our show. But it is what it is. We progress. We move forward. But, Casey, I think that's a fantastic comparison where – Golden State right now, where the Jaguars sit, it's way too out of reach, right? We don't have a Steph Curry. I mean, I'm not sure if we even have a, really a Draymond Green or a Clay Thompson, honestly. But we don't even we have a Wiggins. We don't have an all-star. Yeah, a pro, how many Pro Bowlers on this team this past year? And they didn't even give it to Cook. You know what I'm saying? And, the, and, the, and, and then the prosecution rests. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a great comparison, though, in terms of the Memphis Grizzlies because they've always kind of been that team that, yeah, maybe they've been there. But they always kind of go under the, the radar a little bit, right? Like, you, you remember the, the whole Grind City thing, you know, the, the whole blue-collar kind of thing. Like, yeah, they don't maybe have the, the biggest stars, but they play well together. And I think when you talk about a team that Doug Peterson coached before in the Philadelphia Eagles, who defied all expectations, who lost their starting quarterback. Now, I don't want to say that for Trevor Lawrence. Going to knock on the biggest piece of wood I can find. But what I'm trying to get at here is they, the Eagles took that underdog mentality. And I think Doug Peterson coming into Jacksonville right now in a division with the Colts and the Tennessee Titans, who just got Matt Ryan by the way in the Colts, and the Tennessee Titans still have Derrick Henry and always a pretty good, well-coached team. They're the underdogs right now, right? And I understand, you know, Vegas, whatever, has it at plus 400 or whatever it is for the Jaguars to go to the playoffs or win the division, whatever, and that's fine, that's fun, um, that's a storyline. But they're still the underdogs of this division. So, yeah, Casey, I think it's a fantastic comparison when you compare the Jaguars to an NBA team being Grind City because that's what you want, right? That's realistic. The Golden State Warriors right now, not very realistic. I think the Milwaukee Bucks could eventually be realistic, but you're not there either. Give me the Memphis Grizzlies this year, and I'll be extremely happy with that. Yeah, I agreed, and I guess it comes back to the overwhelming point that we've been trying to make this whole time is you can't become the Memphis Grizzlies unless you hit on your John Morant. Exactly. Now, John Morant was picked two. We got picked one as it currently stands. But I, I know that we keep coming back to this conversation, but, like, uh, let me just put it to you this way. Sure. If you had to put, you know, Brent's bet a lot of houses. I want you to bet yours. <laughs> Aiden, I bet my house? Yes. Okay, okay. Aiden Careful Hutchinson okay. or the field? Oh, I'm taking the uh, – in terms of what? What are we talking about here, Casey? What you actually believe they're going to do. Oh, okay. I thought you meant, like, who's going to be better overall? Um, I mean, I got to lean towards Aiden Hutchinson. And doesn't that just kind of rub you the wrong way a little bit? Because, like, that's I mean, what you think they're going to do. You don't necessarily agree with it. But sure, for me, sure. I'm like, really? Like, I don't know why I feel underwhelmed about it. So here's, here's why I kind of feel underwhelmed about the, the whole Aiden Hutchinson thing. You know, this is a guy who had, and, and I, I get it, that the defense changed his last year in Michigan, so maybe that was, like, the big selling point. But, like, the number one overall pick, Casey, it's special. I mean, I don't got to tell you that. Anybody that follows the sport of football knows that. If you take the number one overall, like, he's got to come in and be that difference maker. And for some reason, I can't get it out of my head. Like, Hutchinson could come in and get 10 sacks, and, and I, I can see this happening as well. I can see Hutchinson coming and getting 10 sacks his rookie year. I think that's feasible. But for whatever reason, I also think, okay, are you, are you going after that, that number one, you know, once-in-a-generation talent, maybe a future all-pro, or are, are, you, are you playing it safe? 
And I think you'd agree with me when I say I think Aiden Hutchinson is the safe play. Yes. Now, yeah, there, there is something to be said for the safe play. There's something to be said for Trent Baalke, who, you know, I, I feel like his job is on the line, and a lot from that job can come from this year's draft. I feel like Doug Peterson coming into a new situation, he needs guaranteed quality players. I feel like they both have cases for that safe pick. But whether it's Walker, whether it's Thibodeau, those are the guys that I see where it's like, okay, maybe not the safest of picks, but also the guys that can maybe overpass Hutchinson one day. And I guess that's my biggest fear. My biggest fear from now is that you're going to have a guy in Hutchinson, and let's call I mean, let's give him some benefit here. Let's call him the next Max Crosby, which, I mean, I think at number one overall. Um, not mad at well, You're not mad at it? You know, I mean, is, is it value there? I think that's debatable. But let's just say for the sake of the argument, you got a Max Crosby. Okay, you pair him with Josh Allen. I'm sure your defense is humming. They just gave Max Crosby a bigger contract for a reason. They value him. Aiden Hutchinson can kind of be that same guy. Okay, perfect. What my fear is, though, is that if you're stuck with a Max Crosby here for the next, you know, three, four years, maybe an extended period of time, if you renew that contract, I don't want to see Kayvon Thibodeau being the next, you know, Miles Garrett. Right. I don't want him to be the next Von Miller where he's a difference maker, right? Like, anytime he's on the field, you have to respect it. Yeah, you have to respect uh, a guy like Max Crosby. Obviously, how could you not? But to me, there's a difference between great pass rushers and game changers. Aaron Donald, game changer. Von Miller back in his prime, game changer. Cleo Mack for a little bit, game changer. That's what this team needs at number one overall right now. And I'm not sure if Hutchinson's going to be that guy. So to answer your question, yeah, I do feel a little leery as well. But if, if I'm in Trent Baalke's shoes, if, if I'm in Doug Peterson's shoes, sometimes I, I guess the safe pick will help you sleep at night, and I don't blame him for that. But I think if you look at the history of the NFL and how the draft has shaken out, I think fortune usually favors the bolt. And I think outside-the-box thinking favors the bolt. And I think Thibodeau, and it, you know, if you want to get on the Brent Martineau train, a guy like Walker from Georgia – I think those are the outside-the-box type of dudes. I like that. And so let, let me ask you this, because you check the tape. You know, you're not out here just saying things. You check the tape. You figure out what's yeah. going on. So yeah, yeah. when it comes to Thibodeau, at least, my overwhelming impression, and overwhelming is a bad word, but that's what it is. I Remember when I got stuck in Houston? Let's just start there. You remember that? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah I, I still feel bad for you for yeah, that. It was the worst, right? So when yeah. I finally got on the plane, they were already playing the Pac-12 championship. Oregon and Utah, the boys were out there doing it. And what I remember, now granted, I was a little tired and a little upset, but it felt like they were, Utah was running the football at the side of the field Thibodeau was on. So you've checked the tape. you checked the yeah. facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a reason why you think he could be falling down? Or is his run play just good enough, but it just wasn't good that night, thus they kept running the football? <sighs> all right. And I understand. We're talking about the number one overall pick, so all these things come into account, right? Casey, give me, I mean, and just seriously, I mean, this can be off the top of the head. This is, we didn't plan for this, but give me, give me three of the top pass rushers right now in the NFL, in your opinion. Uh, give me anybody. Yeah, I got, I got you. Uh, TJ Watt. Sure. Uh, I'll go Miles Garrett. Sure. And uh, let's, let's go Chandler Jones. Okay, yeah, for perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think I would definitely agree. Those guys are at least top five for sure. Okay, so notice how I asked you to give me the, the, the three top pass rushers. I think you did a great job. Yeah. All right, Casey, give me the top three run stuffers in terms of, of, of defensive ends in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Uh, give me 
That's all I got for you. Yeah, exactly. Because honestly, and, and I watch a lot of football, I don't know. I don't know in terms of the PFF rankings or in terms of, you know, total tackles or tackles for loss. I don't know who, who the best in the run game is at the edge. You know why? Because that's secondary, right? It, 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 it's all just secondary at the end of the day. Now, if you're playing defensive tackle, sure, it can be a little different. But, like, if you turn on the film, and even J.J. Watt is a classic example of this. Even when J.J. Watt was averaging, you know, 20-something sacks a game, I mean, a game, a season, go back and watch the film of him in terms of how he played the run game. Because sometimes, you know, whether it was a screen pass, whether it was maybe a, a quarterback draw, he would over-pursue because why? He's trying to get quarterback sacks. Why? Because quarterback sacks get you paid. If, if stopping the run was that important, I would probably still be in the league right now. Right, but it's just—it's—it's it's not, it's not the most necess, its not the most necessary thing in the NFL, and especially nowadays where teams are so pass-heavy. So to answer your question, do I think Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, hurt his draft stock because you know maybe of a couple games where he didn't look that promising in the run game? Maybe, but when you watch him rush the passer, when you watch him bend down the line, as far as I'm concerned, the stuff in the run game, we're all good. And the reason why I say that, and I always say this quote from Joe Cullen, and God knows I got tons of quotes from former, uh, well, Jaguars defensive line coach and former Jaguars defensive coordinator Joe Cullen. I can try to teach you how to, you know, rush the passer. You, you, either you can stop the run or you can't because it's all about attitude. Not everybody's built for, you know, to, to rush the passer, be, a, you know, a prolific 10-sack-a-year kind of guy. But his philosophy was, I can take you off the street and teach you how to stop the run. Because stopping the run is all about attitude. That's all it is. It, it, it's attitude, and yeah, it's footwork and first steps and no fall stepping and all that stuff. But it comes down to attitude. And if you put Kayvon Thibodeau in the right atmosphere, I don't think he's going to have an issue in stopping the run. And once again, when you talk about a league right now that is so pass-heavy, and I get it's different than the AFC South with Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, so there does have to be some sort of discipline in terms of stopping the run but you make your money rushing the quarterback. So, no, that doesn't concern me at all um, with Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I think Von Miller's got in some situation a little bit where it's like, all right, this guy's a little undersized, fantastic pass rusher. How is he in the run game? I don't know how Von Miller in his career has been in the run game, nor does it matter because he's probably going to the Hall of Fame one day. He's won a couple Super Bowls. He's that good of a player. And that's all that matters in terms of rushing the passer. Casey, but before, before I go out of here, um, I'll let you guys take over. You know, we've, we've seen Aiden Hutchinson posting pictures, um, you know, in the stadium taking a visit. Uh, Walker has been, um, you know, linked to visiting the Jaguars here, if not now, um, pretty soon. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't, I haven't read the news today. I have yet to see Kayvon Thibodeau visit the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, keep in mind, every team only gets so many visits, and, and I get that, but one would think that, especially in the first round, the guys that you're keying in on, you want them to take a visit to your place. You, you want to get to know them a little more, right. right? Sit them down, have a lunch, have a have a dinner, go to Ruth Chris, chop it up a little bit. Does it concern you? Because I think we kind of share the same brain in terms of we're very intrigued by Kayvon Thibodeau. Are you concerned that there hasn't been any links, at least as far as I know, to him taking a visit to Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, yes. I also don't know of any visits, so if there are on, you got past, If there are some, it got past both of us. But um, yes, I I am concerned about that because 
I'm not sure if this changed, but I remember with the COVID, you only had a certain number of people you could bring in. I assume yeah. that's probably still similar. So if you're bringing in other people to, you know, talk to and do whatever it is you will do. And I've seen random dudes that have came in. I've seen dudes I've never heard of been brought in. <laughs> not necessarily for the number one overall pick, I'm hoping, but for sure. like fourth round <laughs> yeah. picks or whatever. Um, yeah. So... I don't know if we just can't afford the flight from Oregon, but um, <laughs> listen, I think we need to at least bring this guy in and talk to him. Like, yeah. uh, he, if you have somebody that's been called a probable number one overall pick for like the beginning of last season and even before that because of his ability, and yeah. then he just falls to three, and you're like, nah, we're, we don't want. Like, what could the Jags have seen on tape that they're like, you know what, we don't want it at all, absolutely, to talk to him? So, to answer your question, yeah, I'm concerned. Get the man in here. Let's see what he has to say. Well, uh, here's the biggest part of that story right there, is what is the knock right now on Kayvon Thibodeau? It's not the athleticism, right? It's it's not the skill set per se, maybe a little bit in the run game, but I don't think it's even a skill set. It's the question of, you know, does he have the mindset to play at the next level? Does he love the game of football? Will you find that out by sitting a guy down and being man-to-man with him? And maybe did that a little bit at the Combine? Maybe, you know, you had scouts there in Oregon, you know, sitting down with him as well. But, like, to me, there's a difference between that and bringing a guy in on a, an official visit, sitting him down in the stadium at the head table in front of everybody, in front of Shad Khan, in front of Trent Baalke, putting the pressure on him and saying, hey, do you love the game of football or not? Like, if they do that and he doesn't, you know, say the right things, then I'm okay with that. Sure. Right? Like, if Kayvon Thibodeau comes in here and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably never know. But if the interview goes horrible, they have a bad vibe about it, Doug Peterson's not feeling it, then I can live with that. But what I can't live with is at least not doing your due diligence and vetting them just to make sure. Now, maybe they have. Maybe they know something that I don't. Maybe they met with him at the combine and they heard all that they need to know. I just hope that every ounce of due diligence is being done with the number one overall pick because it is that important. You'd like to hope. But You'd once like again, Jags. <laughs> Once again, Jags. All right, well, that's going to be it for me here at the Bully's House of Cards. I'm going to let Brian Middleton and Casey Kurtz take it from here. A little overtime coming a little early, so it's more like regulation time yeah. going into overtime. But you guys will be taking over from here. Um, for Austin Lane, uh, stay casual, stay safe. I'll see you guys tomorrow back here with Brent Martineau. We're not back here, back in the studio with Brent Martineau. A lot to talk about. The UFC fight card's coming up, so we're going to have a lot revolving around with that as well. Casey, you got it from here, man. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. We'll see you then. All right. Take it easy. I actually think it is the Yankees, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, because of the expectation, um, we're right in the prime of Garrett Cole's career. They got to start getting it done in the years when he's at his best. You know, same thing with Stanton. Maybe in the last year of Judge, uh, they bet heavily. Uh, on these defensive upgrades, and I actually think that they probably, you know, haven't been given the, enough credit, or you know, people have, are underestimating the potential value of that, because now Gary Sanchez, who generally is regarded as the worst defensive catcher, he's gone, and they've got good defensive catchers, which should help the pitching. They're better at third base. They're better at short. Labor Torres is n- probably never going to be better than an average second baseman, but he's clearly more comfortable than he was at short. You get a full season of Anthony Rizzo. It is an older team, so we'll see if, you know, Josh Donaldson, et cetera, can stay healthy. Oh, the Yankees are in trouble, and I'm happy with it. 
As a Rays fan, I am happy with it. Action Sports Jacks, ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, not sure where he is. Austin Lane on the way to train. So they got me holding down the fort for another 30, and then we got overtime, and then we got the shrimp. So you got a lot of me talking on the radio coming up in the near future. But there's somebody else we need to talk to right now, and that's Captain Rick Rouse. Captain Rick, first time on the radio. We usually speak on the phone a lot, so now the people can hear our conversation. How are you? Casey, I'm doing great, and I got to tell you, I think it's time. Maybe you and I just take this dumpy station over. You know, I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more, Captain Rick, to be honest with you. More of us, less of Brent. If, if, if that's right. If they're going to walk off and leave us, that's fine. We'll handle it. We can, we can take it on. There we go. I'll tell you what, it was an all-inshore day today, Casey, as the wind blowing really pretty hard out of the southwest and uh, made fishing tough even for the inshore guys. But the fish were cooperative, so that makes a lot of difference. Heard from Terry Lacoste up in Fernandina, and um, he said that the uh, redfish bit very well up that way today. Robert Johnson was fishing down in St. Augustine said the flounder bite was incredible. They had 15 flounder today. That's very unusual for early April. Now, they were small. They weren't, uh, most of them weren't legal yet, but they were they were decent, um, getting up toward that 15-inch minimum size. Uh, Captain David Borey said the big trout did good today. It was a real mixed bag. He had whiting, he had Spanish mackerel, had trout, had redfish. So, inshore fishing was good today. It's going to be good again tomorrow. I have no doubt the ocean's going to be closed again as we're looking at five to seven foot seas. And um, we'll just have to wait it out. It looks like at least a weekend before the ocean calms down. So it's going to be all inshore fishing. But we'll be back tomorrow with another check on the fishing brought to you by Workman's Quick Fish Plumbing and CSS Landscaping. Good luck, Casey, and thank you. You're welcome, Captain Rick. Have a good night. Captain Rick Riles right there every day. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, 7 to 9, Saturday mornings as well with the fellas captain rick and the fellas i'm gonna pitch that as a new show title captain rick and the fellas but right now it's uh just a florida sportsman show on espn 690 casey kurtz with you here for a little bit brian middleton will check in here in a minute he got caught in the traffic he's actually here but i said don't worry brian middleton i'll handle this one because i want to talk about what you heard on the way in from buster only and that is about the new york yankees it's an interesting point the new york yankees have somehow some way become maybe the fourth-best team in the AL East. Are they better than the Rays? Absolutely not. Are they better than Toronto Blue Jays? Absolutely not. The Toronto Blue Jays might be the best team in baseball, and if you're not a diehard baseball fan, you're probably scratching your head right now in your car on the way home from work or wherever you may be listening on the stream. The Toronto Blue Jays are very, very good. Okay, so I'm going to just leave it there. And then the Red Sox got better as well. The pitching is suspect. Trevor Story is a great ad. I drafted him way too high in fantasy baseball. I have a lot of faith in Trevor Story this season with the Red Sox to go with Xander Bogarts and the boys they already have. Don't like talking a lot of positive things about the Red Sox, but I think it's interesting where the Yankees have found themselves. The other team in New York, uh, Bossman's Aaron's team, Mets, Jets, Nets, he likes the Mets, and the Mets have proven that they're going to spend the money. Max Scherzer, they went out and uh, got some other pieces as well. Uh, Starling Marte, one of them. Uh, just everybody. They pretty much got everybody that was a free agent or could be traded for. So the Mets have proven this offseason that they're going to spend the money. They're going to make the trades, and they're going to do what you remember the Yankees used to do. Yankees didn't do that. Yankees had opportunities to go for guys like Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Kyle Schwarber. They didn't do any of those things. They traded instead a Gary Sanchez, a guy that could not catch to save his life. 
He was a catcher, and he could not play the position, and he didn't hit well enough to be a DH. They move him for a guy like Josh Donaldson. That will bring experience. But you heard Buster say in the soundbite coming in, the Yankees are old. Josh Donaldson is not the youngest player in the world. Neither is Anthony Rizzo. These guys like Giancarlo Stanton, Garrett Cole, they are getting up there. They have to figure out a way to extend Aaron Judge. And if they don't, that is a yikes scenario for Brian Cashman. That might end Brian Cashman's career as the GM of the New York Yankees if he cannot get that done. So I think it's a fascinating place we're in with Major League Baseball in terms of in a division that's been run by the New York Yankees, they're the fourth fourth best team at best. They are better than the Baltimore Orioles, I will say that. But baseball will get going tomorrow. The Yankees and Red Sox will not. They were supposed to play tomorrow. That will go on Friday, but we got a lot of other games for you tomorrow. We got picks tomorrow for the MLB season, MVP, Rookie of the Year, World Series, and those things. And since I have a couple more minutes on baseball, I need to talk directly to the Tampa Bay Rays. I hope they're listening out there in Tampa. Why are we once again trading good players? It consistently happens with the Rays. And listen, if you are out there listening and you're like, hey, the Rays are pretty good. It seems like every move they make works. It doesn't. It does not. They have made some good trades, i.e. when they traded Chris Archer for Tyler Glasnow, Shane Boz, and Austin Meadows. Fantastic move, all-world move. But how about when you traded Will Myers for Steven Souza Jr. in a three-team trade in which Trey Turner moved but not to your team? Trey Turner might be the best player in baseball, I should say. That was not good. And this move that they made recently, trading Austin Meadow for Isaac Paredes, who will start the season in AAA, is not a move that I like very much. Austin Meadows had a rough year, but the year before was an all-star. Rays are on the, the sell-low, I guess, situation with that. So another frustrating move by the Rays. And the interesting move is in the offseason, they don't add starting pitching. They got to the playoffs last year. They won the AL East and found out, as it turned out, they didn't have the pitching they thought they did. Tyler Glass now was out. They ran Shane Boz out there with, like, three career starts in the playoffs. It did not go well. Ryan Yarborough is still an option. Not a great one, but he is in their rotation. They only added Corey Kluber, who seems to get hurt every single season. So it is surprising to see the Rays make a move, not bring any starting pitching. And you could make the case right now that the Rays got worse this offseason. You could absolutely make that case when you lose a guy like Austin Meadows. I don't know if it will be the case because you have a guy like Wander Franco who is just that good and continues to be that good. You have a guy like Brandon Lau who is also just that good. So it'll be interesting to see a lot more baseball talk going on tomorrow. Like I said, we got predictions and we got a lot more baseball to do with opening day coming up tomorrow. By the way, opening day yesterday the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. It was a loss, unfortunately, for the Shrimp in game one, but, hey, it's baseball. Play a lot of them. It's not like football, all right? You get 150 chances to win a few. That'll come up later tonight. We'll talk about more of that as we go along, but the Shrimp will be in action tonight. Starting at 6.50, right after Action Sports Jacks overtime, and we will start overtime next. Brian Middleton is ready to get rolling. He's here. The traffic cleared. The rain cleared. We're rolling. Overtime gets started right after this, but for now, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Casey Kurtz will be right back. Couple minutes to go. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Casey Kurtz rolling along with you on a Wednesday. They call it hump day, or they used to at least at the bare minimum. I don't know if they do anymore. That was kind of like when I was in high school. I don't really hear people say it anymore. But um, anyway, that's what day it is, if you were wondering. 
Um, I can also give you the time. It's about 5.45. On a Wednesday, we're finishing up Action Sports Jacks for a Wednesday. Then we got overtime at 6 o'clock up until 6.50, and then we will hand off directly to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, Scott Kornberg and Matt Davis on the call. Shrimp lose last night. Back at it tonight against the Red Sox. Uh, first pitch will be 7.05 for that one. So if you're not on the way down there right now or won't be uh, in the near future, listen right here at ESPN 690, ESPN690.com, or the Facebook page. Just search ESPN 690 Jackson. Brian Middleton's in the fold. Brian Middleton, what up with you, man, on a Wednesday? Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, you know, just chilling, just chilling. Talked about a lot of... A lot of topics today with the fellas. We opened a lot of cards. They did uh, down at Davoli's. Okay. Talked about the number one overall pick. Talked about why is nobody talking about Thibodeau as the number one pick here in Jacksonville. Seems like it's Hutchinson or it's offensive line or it's um, yeah. uh, Trayvon Walker. Uh, we don't really talk about Thibodeau. Even though me and Austin Lane seem to be in some agree- agreement that uh, we should probably be looking a little bit deeper at that. So, really? uh, yeah, did a little bit of that. Uh, that'll be on the podcast to hear Austin specifically talk about it. Me and Brian will probably get into it a little bit more on OT as well. Um, but, you know, it, it's tough, Brian Milton, when you got a guy, Thibodeau, who was pretty much, you know, you got those way too early, like, mock drafts for the next year, mm-hmm. like immediately after. And through most of the offseason last year and early season um, in college football last year, this guy was supposed to be the number one overall pick. And then all of a sudden he's not anymore. And it's um, – Aiden Hutchinson, and I'm cool with Aiden Hutchinson, you know what I mean? But, like, I just have a hard time believing that we've ruled out Kevon Thibodeau to the point where we can't even consider it. Like, we know Aiden Hutchinson was here for a visit. Trayvon Walker apparently will have a visit as well. Uh, But, like, we can't even, like, the Jags aren't even going to give Thibodeau a visit? Like, that just feels wrong to me, you know? Yeah, that's wild. Uh, You would think that, at the very least, that they would bring him in. You never know what you're going to see in person. I know that you've been to, you know, the Combine, and you've been over hours and hours of tape, and I don't know if they attended his pro day per se. I assume that they did. But at the very least, when we're talking about due diligence, you never know what you're going to see when you actually bring them in. There may be a chink in the armor you find. There may be something that makes you say, oh, you know what? This right here, we didn't ask this. Nobody uh, even questioned this, and we just saw something that we like specifically for our team and our organization. This is our guy. So it is interesting that as of now, right, He yep. he's not been invited or there's no plans for him to be in Jacksonville for any kind of meeting. As far as we know, hopefully that will change. And hopefully I'm, you know, I'm, I'd be happy to turn on my phone right now and go on Twitter and say that he's here right now and we're just finding out. I'd be happy to know. And I'd be the first one to tell you, hey, I, I misspoke on that one. But uh, as far as we know, he has not been here yet to visit the Jags. So hopefully they figure that out. But a little bit of that discussion earlier in the program is what well. might do it again on OT. Uh, another thing we talked about, Brian Milton, you'll be interested in this. Uh, the Lakers are done. How th- This is not something we did earlier, but it's uh, sort of. How many of the current players that are on the Lakers will be on the team next year? No, that's a good one. Yeah, I know. That's a solid question. Uh, uh, like, I'll give you... Let's see. Huh, go ahead. I'll give, give you over, under four. Uh, okay. Let's see. Who... Who is going to be here, or who's going to be on the Lakers uh, roster next year? Yep. I would say, okay, so you got LeBron, 
right? You would think LeBron James, right? I, I would that's think a, that. That's an argument, right? I think there could be an argument to trade him, but uh, he's probably not going to trade himself. So, yeah, I'll give you LeBron. Okay. Uh, let's see. And I don't think they're going to be able to get off of the Westbrook. Yep, that is a tri- that will be a tricky one. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Yeah, I know that Anthony Davis is out there. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now everybody's coming with the same talking points that we hear on overtime, and I assume maybe on Action Sports Jacks uh, for three hours Monday through Friday earlier um, was saying the same thing as far as when people were blaming Russ. You know, I was like, yeah, blame Russ, but the real culprit here. Mm-hmm. The real the real person who should take the blame is Anthony Davis. So, um, let's see. Carmelo, I don't know what his contract says. He's got to be gone. But I don't see him staying on. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker, THT. I like THT, to be honest with you. He can't score the basketball, but he's gritty. But what I just found out, THT is making $9.5 million. Mm. We're going to have to go. Cyclone's in the building. Yeah, like for 9.5? Uh, you know, why not keep Dwight? So where are we at? We got, I'm, I'm saying Dwight, you can't get away from Russ. And LeBron. And LeBron. I got three for sure right now. Yep. Kendrick Nunn, I don't know what Does he they, play? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know what that even looks like, who's going to trade for that, but I don't know his contract situation. I don't know if he helps out a team, if they can just sign him and cut him. Uh, it would be best if I probably looked into that before I said whether or not he's gone. So I'm going to say no, he don't keep play. him. Malik Monk has played well-ish for Malik Monk. Has he played well enough for somebody to actually take him? Like, he's only making a veteran minimum, I'm guessing, because there's no way he just was excited about making a million dollars. Is he playing well enough for something like 13 points a game? You know, is that enough for some other team to come sign him away from the Lakers? Uh Uh-huh. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Austin Reeves is there. They like him. They do. I like him. Did you see the play that you had uh, yesterday? Mm-mm. Well, he uh, he made this layup off of still. Carmelo actually made the still, uh, <clears throat> made the outlet pass to him. Had three uh, defenders on him, and he made this circus layup, and then walked, uh, and got fouled, and then walked to the free throw line like a boss. Okay, I appreciated him, man. Yeah. I saw in the comments someone said, "Hey, he just stamped his ticket to stay with the Lakers next season." <laughs> After that, because LeBron stood up, you could see him cheering it on. Okay, okay. And, I mean, and he's had some, he's had some bright spots. He's had some moments. He so, has. So I'm at, so I'm at Austin Reeves, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and uh, who did I say? Uh, uh, Dwight. Dwight Howard. Yep. And then you got guys like Stanley Johnson, uh, all replaceable Gabriel, pieces. Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Avery Bradley, DJ Augustine. Trevor Trevor Ariza. Yeah, I, I know. I've seen him <laughs> on the court, Ariza. too. I don't get it. So, I guess, like, yeah. the point that I'm trying to make is... When they're done. You're right at four, right? I gave you over under four. Yeah. You're right at four without AD. And AD is, I guess, arguably the only piece that... Can you get anything for. Yeah, you can move and actually have some some semblance of, okay, we're getting something back to go into a new direction. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, you said four, so yeah. I yeah. Got, I gave you four. You're right there. Spades would say I got four and a possible. Yeah, you got four and a push. So um, I just think it's fascinating. And I think it's fascinating in terms of, like, what does it look like if you trade LeBron? Like, I understand that's going to be easier said than done. But, like, you know how much better they could get if they traded LeBron? They're a playoff team if they trade LeBron for what you could get back. 
like the next year if you do it correctly. If you trade LeBron and AD, think about all the pieces you could get back. You could get guys that are good, like Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma. Can you imagine if the Lakers had those yeah. type of guys? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like Lonzo Ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't go down there. Like Josh Hart. Where is he at? Where is Josh Hart? Mm-hmm. But in terms of the Westbrook thing, by the way, I think this is interesting, too. Okay. Like, he's going to opt in because it's like $50 million player option. Like, somebody's bad enough to take him. Like, if you're the Trailblazers, why would you not? It's his, again, man, I just would, mm, I should know more about his contract uh, situation. I don't know what it is about his contract that if a team signs him, like, are they done in the next season with him? Is it against the cap the following year if they cut him? I, like, I don't know enough about how that works for Russell Westbrook. I just know he's he's going to hit for like $40-something million, I believe, next season. Yeah, so he has an option, and it's a player option for $47 million. Yeah. The cap hit is $47 million. The dead cap is, like, it's, it's $47 million. So, I mean, you know, maybe. I think he works better. He's clearly proven it now, at least at this point in his career. He works better if he is the main guy. It's not going to result in a championship. I don't know what uh, what it looks like um, combination-wise if he's the guy to, in order to get far in the playoffs, but he works better clearly if he's the guy on the team as opposed to have to playing off the ball or anything like that. So uh, I don't know if a team is smart enough. Uh, if you trade LeBron James... Let's just get crazy out here. I mm-hmm. think it's got to be a multiple team trade. I don't think it's going to be a straight up, you know, the Lakers to the Clippers, Lakers to the, I think it's going to be three teams, maybe four teams, and it's going to get real sticky when they have to post up the graphic on SportsCenter about what exactly it is that just happened here. Like, there's going to be multiple players, multiple contracts, uh, multiple uh, picks. So I think that's the route you go if you even try to trade the greatest player of all time. To touch a basketball. I like that. We, I've got a name that I want to bring up to you that was brought up earlier in our show because there was a soundbite about it on ESPN earlier today. So we'll do that. Um, Brian has an interesting thought about college sports, college basketball, mostly around St. Peter's and what's happening there after their incredible run uh, in this year's tournament. So we'll do that. we got a lot of things to do before 6.50. That's when we'll hand off to the Jumbo Shrimp. Ride with us through the break. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks overtime on the other side. We'll be right back.